This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. Also brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have another major crop processing plant announced for Regina. Redleaf Pulp has announced Canada's first wheat straw pulp processing plant for Regina. The facility will cost $350 million, with construction to start next year and be completed the following year. We have farm reaction to the wheat straw processing plant, and it's all favorable. Wheat straw is a waste byproduct, but it can be turned into tissue, cardboard, and other paper products. Real Agriculture takes a look at grain markets today. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association welcomes an international health ruling on Canadian beef exports. And we hear about crop conditions in southwest Saskatchewan. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazenk Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Red Leaf Pulp has chosen Regina as the site for Canada's first wheat straw pulp processing plant. Red Leaf Pulp CEO Martin Pudlis says construction will start next year on the $350 million wheat straw processing facility. There's certainly, there's a number of factors, um, and, and there are a number of uh, potential locations across Saskatchewan, uh, quite frankly, but, you know, in the end, I think when we looked at Regina in terms of the infrastructure that's already in place, when we looked at the uh, density of the feedstock, uh, when we looked at the workforce that's uh, available, um, you know, those were some of the key key uh, factors that uh, made us decide on Regina. It's the first in Canada, is it? Correct. It, this is the, the first uh, wheat straw pulp mill in uh, Canada. There's other regions of the world, um, you know, China, India specifically, that, that some of these facilities have been running, but uh, first one for Canada. What will be its capacity? We're going to be 182,000 uh, tons of pulp a year, or to put that in perspective, it's uh, 270,000 oven-dried ton of uh, wheat or durum straw. You expect farmers will be able to supply that? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've done a lot of work on the amount of straw available. Uh, we worked through uh, the Canadian standard for uh, biomass supply uh, chain risk, and, and we, we came out very favorably. Uh, certainly, we don't need all of the straw in the region. Uh, we'll need about 15 to 20%. What products will you produce? So that this pulp is going to go into many things that uh, you would use today. Think of tissue or towel. 
So think about this pathway that you could have a carbon negative, a highly absorbent paper towel on your kitchen counter. The other use would be if you think about e-commerce and you think about how we have the box inside the box inside the box arrive on our front step now. If you think about corrugated boxes or folded box board, those types of products. And then think about takeout food. So a clamshell container, you know, that would be made of styrofoam today. This pulp works very well in, in molded applications. So there's a number a number of end uses and we're really seeing this demand explode for this this type of product. I understand a byproduct could even be used for biofuel? Correct. So really it's like all organics, right? You've got the fiber and then you've got the glue or the lignin. And so we're gonna we're gonna remove that lignin and, and free up the fibers, but then you know that organic stream certainly has a lot of end uses. One would be for a low carbon fuel, certainly. But there's there's other biomaterials uh, that this can be used in, you know, from materials that are could be used in electrification to fertilizers to a number of different applications. But our, our first focus is going to be on a low carbon fuel. The farmer's question kind of is obvious. How do farmers benefit and what would you pay for the straw? Right. So I think how the, the growers are, are going to work well with this is we're not asking for any change in land use. We're not you know looking for any change in, in crop rotation. Certainly preference is going to be giving to you know early participants here. And what we're going to do is is have a price for the straw base price which will e- easily cost uh, give them good profit margin. But we're also going to give them a bonus based on the price of pulp that we're able to achieve. So it's a, a index pricing model. Pudlis says there is straw capacity for construction of half a dozen of these straw processing plants across the prairies. Martin Pudlis is the CEO of Redleaf Pulp. This is the third major crop processing facility announced for Regina this spring. Viterra and Cargill have announced plans for multi-million dollar canola processing plants in the Regina area. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6 Inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca and Co-op Hail Insurance. They've been there for farmers for over 75 years, and they'll be there for you. Saskatchewan's General Farm Group welcomes the announcement of a $350 million wheat straw processing plant in Regina. Redleaf Pulps says construction will begin next year, with the plant operational in 2023. The initial plant will have capacity to produce 182,000 tons of market pulp a year from waste wheat straw from local farmers. The project is expected to create 110 permanent full-time jobs and 250 jobs during construction. APAS President Todd Lewis says the facility will be another marketing opportunity for farmers with waste wheat straw. Well, it sounds like another opportunity for uh, agriculture, you know, with the emerging green economy, I guess this is part of it. And, you know, as I think as the news release says, in a lot of cases, wheat straw has been looked at as, as a byproduct that, you know, has been spread on the ground afterwards or 
you know, years ago was burned. It was, there was no way to handle it. But, you know, with modern agriculture, there's there's lots of ways to chop it and spread it properly. But, you know, it may be uh, as uh, if there's a market for it, uh, I'm sure we'll see producers, if it makes sense, that they'll bail it up and uh, be more than happy to sell it to an outfit like uh, Red Leaf. And, you know, it's a real opportunity and certainly huge economic opportunity again for both the province and the city of Regina. Are you surprised they chose Regina as a location? Well, not really. I mean, uh, we're right in the heart of wheat country here in the south, and uh, certainly the Regina Plains has been recognized as some of the prime growing land in in the country. And, and uh, you know, also, I mean, southern Saskatchewan produces, you know, tons and tons and tons of uh, wheat straw through the year. So, no, it's not surprising at all that they picked Regina. Do you see this being a good economic boom for Saskatchewan farmers? Well, as I say, I think, uh, you know, this is the first of some other plants we may see. Uh, we, You know, you hear uh, with the uh, canola plants that have been announced, and uh, this is, again, a different marketing opportunity. So I think it is a, it's a wonderful opportunity, and uh, I look forward to seeing this plant built and wish them all the, all the success in the world. Are you surprised the cost? $350 million. It doesn't come cheap. No, this, these new technologies, uh, you know, to uh, extract value out of something like weak straw, it's going to take some technology to do that. So it's nothing's cheap these days. And, uh, you know, when you talk about building something like a plant, construction costs are always going up. Let's hope it can get built and, uh, you know, we don't end up with cost overruns and everything else. But I think, you know, it's just a good signal that agriculture is uh, really leading uh, the economy here in the province. And uh, let's hope that that continues and the, the producers can give the raw materials to these processors and, uh, everything can just keep running along smoothly generally you feel this is a good news for farmers yeah i think it's uh as i say it's a product uh wheat straw it's it's something that's managed you know over the last couple decades uh much more than it was before Uh, you know combine now chops the straw and it's spread but if there's an economic opportunity there and it makes sense both agronomically and uh financially uh They'll have lots of wheat straw that'll go into that plant, and uh, it'll be another value-added product that uh, will help not only farmers, but uh, the entire economy. Todd Lewis is the president of APAS. This segment has also been brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Joined right now by John Drager of Left Field Commodity Research based out of Winnipeg. John, how are you? Yeah, doing fine, Sean. How are you? Pretty good. Okay, John, we're having this discussion on Tuesday morning. The markets are open, and they are up large. What exactly is going on today specifically to drive these markets higher here on this Tuesday morning? Well, it, it really is quite something. And, and, you know, certainly, you know, coming out of a long weekend, uh, uh, you know, you sort of have that, that extra window of time. It's, it's, I mean, maybe to back it up half a step, but it essentially seems like we've been, been in a weather market since, you know, since, since April. You know, ordinarily you think about weather markets in, you know, kind of mid-June, July, all that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think given, you know, first of all, how incredibly tight these old crop markets are, how tight these new crop balance sheets look, you know, I mean, everybody's been just, just hyper-focused on, uh, you know, every incremental bushel of grain more or less than what you're expecting. And, and so it, it's like we've been trading a weather market here for the last, uh, uh, you know, last month plus already. And, and it seems like this is just a continuation of that. 
you know, and, and, you know, three day weekend and the weather market feels like an eternity. And so, you know, okay, you get a little dryness in the forecast or get some frost in a few areas. And suddenly it's, it's just like, it's, it's suddenly explosive, even though probably given where we're at in the calendar, you know, I don't know that things have dramatically changed from a fundamental perspective compared to say where we were, you know, five, six days ago, even though the forecast has changed a bit. So, uh, uh, but you know, sentiment has swung and, and explosive to the upside here today. Yeah, you know, there there is some challenges out there, you know, from a Canadian perspective. Uh, parts of Ontario are doing a bunch of replanting, especially in northern Ontario because of how cold. Prairies, you know, we had that rain, which was very, very welcomed. But, you know, a lot of growers I'm talking to, it's like, yeah, it's uh, it, it buys me another two weeks it is kind of what I've heard from a lot of growers. D- dryness still a big concern on the prairies for a lot of these crops. Oh, no doubt, Sean. And, and, and I think, you know, kind of our view is, is uh, uh, you know, it was probably uh, – uh, how we say we we didn't write our yields down you know too quickly because of how dry everything had been, and we also didn't bump them up after this rain came because you know in many ways uh, uh, exactly as you say it's it's uh, uh, it was certainly welcome it was beneficial it was badly needed and it's not nearly enough for most most areas to kind of make the problem go away and so we we still have a major dryness problem. Uh, I think the forecast, longer-term forecast, is concerning in, in a lot of these areas. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, as much as that rain was, was welcome and it seemed like it pressured markets, uh, it probably shouldn't have pressured markets a whole lot because it, it didn't make the problem go away. It, it just, uh, as you say, kind of bought a little bit of time. And so, again, you know, with, with trading in a weather market, it, it's kind of like you don't chase the rallies, you, you don't chase the breaks, you know, and, and maybe in some ways that's the you know, the, the sentiment kind of overshoots even though uh, – uh, you know, kind of as we mentioned earlier on, you know, fundamentally, maybe things don't change that much over the course of four or five days, and yet the market swings swings wildly. John, right now there's a lot of talk about inflation out there in the marketplace. What, what kind of role does that play in in trying to figure out where these prices go from a commodity perspective? Yeah, I, I think there's two parts to that. Probably, you know, there's definitely an element of let's call it a a sentiment component. Uh, you know, and is it, I mean, I'm an absolute believer ultimately that that grain markets will trade based on their own fundamentals, their own supply demand and and export demand, production, all those sorts of things. You know, but there is an element of let's call it sentiment, and as people you know look at grocery prices going up, they see the price of crude oil going up. You know, you you know you, the price of lumber. You know, you can't even afford to build a doghouse anymore based on the the cost of lumber, and and I think all of that kind of helps probably draw in some speculative money and, and just sort of help shift market sentiment a bit. So it's definitely a, a tailwind, you know, and then I think also within that though, there is maybe a fundamental component and maybe more so uh, as you think about maybe from a global perspective where, you know, maybe j- just society and food security and those things are a bigger concern. You, know, you kind of got to think around the margins, you know, that some of these importing countries and buyers are going to be, uh, you know, maybe maybe around the margins, you know, a little more inclined to buy the dip, right? Or a little more inclined to make sure they got supplies secured. And you, I think you see some of that with China, for example, massive new crop purchases. And, you know, corn has kind of grabbed the headlines, but it's not just corn, other crops as well. So I, I think there is maybe an element of a, a bit of a self-reinforcing demand pull. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. 
and Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in. No appointment necessary or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy sky, wind northwest 20, the high 28 degrees, the low 12. Wednesday, partly cloudy, wind west 20, the high 31, the low 14. Thursday, sunny and hot, it's supposed to reach 35, the low 19. Friday, hot again, sunny and a high of 33, the low 17. Saturday, sunny, the high 28, the low 12. Sunday, sunny, the high 22, the low 11. Monday, sunny, the high near 24. Normal high is 22, the normal low is 7 degrees. The sun rose at 4.52 this morning. It sets at 9.01 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot... Estevan at 26.5 degrees, almost 27. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay at 19. Saskatoon is 24, Swift Current 22, Weyburn 25, Yorkton is 24. Regina cloudy in 23, that's 73 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest, 16 gusting to 27. Humidity is 39%, the barometer dropping 101.7. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, 24 degrees. Winds are from the north at 18, gusting to 30. Once again, Regina, cloudy in 23. That's 73 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association welcomes an international health ruling on Canadian beef exports. Last week, Canada was granted negligible risk status for BSE by the World Organization for Animal Health. This puts Canada at the lowest level for transmission of BSE. To achieve that designation, a country must demonstrate the last case of classical BSE was born more than 11 years ago. Arnold Balicki is chair of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. We're ecstatic to have this new negligible risk status. It's been 18 years in the making, and, and I guess I would be amiss if I didn't acknowledge all the hard work that CCA did for us on this file, especially, uh, you know, Dennis Laycraft, John Maswell, and all the CCA chair people along the way, as well as the Government of Canada. Also, you know, I, I really want to thank our Canadian consumers who stood by our beef industry throughout this crisis. Beef consumption actually increased in the beginning um, years of BSE, so uh, that just shows the confidence that the Canadians had in the safety of our, our Canadian beef. Balicki explains the importance of the status change. Well, this change in status will certainly help facilitate a, expansion, uh, a market expansion, uh, access to foreign markets for various beef products, as these importing countries can no longer use that 18-year-old excuse to keep us out. But there's still more work to be done. We need to work on the removal of the remaining BSE-era market restrictions, and also we need to work on the alignment of packing house requirements with international recommendations. We are still at a disadvantage in some regards to, uh, say, for instance, a specified risk material removal and disposal. 
so uh, CCA, I'm just confident, is going to be working on that and, and try and get us on a, on a even more better playing field with other uh, exporting countries. Belicki says the BSE problem 18 years ago caused a significant impact on the cattle industry. I can tell you that, um, say for instance, prior to BSE, we were getting $900 to $800 for a cull cow and BSE came along and we ended up getting $36 for a cull cow, $30 freight to get her to market, so we ended up with $6 a cow while at the same time burger still stayed at $5 a pound. So that just shows you some of that. And our, our uh, market calves, they, you know, we sell our calves in the fall, and w- they were hanging around that 550 to $580. So a huge drop for us and, and really was difficult times. And, and, you know, with this new status that we have, it's really our hope that the U.S. proponents of resurrecting cool are now diminished because we're on a level playing field with them, and so I don't know how they can use our old BSE status as a reason to want to impose uh, the cool restrictions. That hurt us a lot as well. Balicki says it's tough to determine actual losses from the BSE outbreak. The economic impact of BSE is is really hard to quantify, but we know that the estimated economic impact to the beef industry is between 5 and 5.5 billion dollars for the years 2003 and 2006. You know, that's with this limited market access and the added processing costs. So there's that figure there. Uh, we lost 26,000 producers, Canadian beef producers, between 2006 and 2011, and we lost 2.2 million acres of grassland. And that loss of grassland has had a detrimental environmental impact with the loss of an ecosystem uh, that is so vital to our species at risk in our wildlife habitat and the sequestration of carbon. And then there's one other thing that I'm not sure how we would measure, even quantify, and that it's even of greater importance and, and less spoken of is is how do we measure and quantify the effects of BSC had on our producers' mental health and well-being. I mean, there was an enormous amount of stress uh, during that time, and, and, and that's why we saw the exodus of, of 26,000 producers. and People just couldn't cope with that, and so that's, that's a result of that. But I think when you look at a... At a situation a crisis or whatever you just don't can't look at the economic impacts you need to look at the, the whole picture and, and that is the, what it did to the mental health and well-being of our producers arnold balicki of shellbrook is the chair of the saskatchewan cattlemen's association you're tuned to saskatchewan agriculture today on the source 620 ckrm this segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And SMHI, landowners, SMHI provides continuous coverage at cost. Contact your RM office today. Municipal Hail, farmers insuring farmers. Recent rain is helping crops to germinate across many parts of the province. The crops extension specialist in Swift Current, Shannon Chant, says fields are turning green. I haven't been out to the field too much, so I know things are just coming kind of out of the ground. It was a bit cooler, so that probably slowed things down a little bit. For May, for Swift Current anyway, there was about an inch of moisture, but that kind of varied. I know further south and a bit east there was some more moisture and they actually got some snow last week but kind of more extreme southwest so i kind of a little bit of everything out there any concern about frost damage 
I haven't heard any. Like I know at home there was a bit of plants that got kind of touched a bit by frost, but nothing that was killed. And I haven't had any inquiries about it. Moisture certainly welcome. Moisture, yeah, would definitely be welcome. I mean, the the rain we had, I think, was was very well-timed. But if we could have more, that would always be a good thing. And crop growth then at what stage right now? Just germinating? Just Yeah, just germinating to a few leaves, probably. And generally, you expect uh, timely rains will be needed all throughout the growing season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can't say that it's, that thing's going to work out at this point. It's a bit too early for that, but it definitely is is dry. I looked back at a few previous years, and we're kind of on average for May for Swift Current. Not too bad. How's winter wheat and fall rye looking? I've heard of a few reports of some fall rye that has winter killed. So people are kind of looking at its different options, kind of seeding some cereals with it perhaps to use as feed uh, later on in the season. So you're expecting there could be some greed and feed seeded for livestock? Likely, yeah. Kind of uh, one inquiry I had was fall rye that had winter killed, and then they're going to seed some barley in with it just to uh, kind of give that field the ability to have green feed later on in the season. We are looking at some hotter temperatures in the forecast. So if there is anyone that's going out and doing maybe some herbicide application, definitely check the label just to see what the ideal temperature range is. I know there's some products that kind of don't apply above 25 degrees Celsius. So that might be something to have a look at. Shannon Chant is the Extension Crop Specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Swift Current. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork. Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more, visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Feed barley fell five dollars at two seventy seven sixty eight. Canola gained seven cents at six eighty six eighty four. Oats rose seven dollars at two sixteen fifty three. Feed wheat gained one cent at two thirty eight eighty four. Number one red spring wheat went up twenty dollars and twenty three cents at three twenty one twenty nine. The rest were unchanged. Durham two ninety twenty seven. Flax seven twelve sixty three. Lentils seven hundred seventy dollars fifty cents. Yellow peas three sixty five thirty three. On the Minneapolis Exchange, spring wheat gained thirty five cents at seven sixty two and a half cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. And now, the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of June 1st. Our last regular sale was on May 26th. The market on butcher cattle was steady and everything sold well. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.93 cents to $1.03. D3 cows sold from $0.83 cents to $0.93. Cents. Canner cows sold from $0.50 cents to $0.60. Cents. Heiferettes sold from $1.18 to $1.35. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.10 to $1.30. There weren't enough steers in any one weight break to establish an accurate price quotation, but there were a few heifers. 650 to 700 pound heifers averaged $1.85 and sold up to $1.90. 700 to 800 pound heifers averaged $1.75 and sold up to $1.80. 
This has been Stephanie Dagg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is for both SIG4, the Brandon plant, and BP4, the Moose Jaw plant. Today's quote, $238.09 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. The Saskatchewan government has modernized and strengthened rules related to importing and possessing native and exotic wildlife in the province. This includes pets, those cared by wildlife rehabilitators, and held in zoos. The captive wildlife regulations have been updated to help protect native wildlife and ecosystems, as well as public health and safety. Environment Minister Warren Kading says a lot has changed since the regulations were introduced in 1982. The growing interest in exotic wildlife as pets and rehabilitation of native species has raised concerns about public safety, animal welfare, and ecosystems. The amended regulations focus on areas of highest risk to people and the environment. The modernization includes a list of species that can be held without licensing and the licensing requirements for facilities to hold restricted wildlife in captivity. A panel was set up including a veterinarian, a pet industry representative, a conservation officer, a reptile ecologist and a wildlife health specialist. The changes ensure that exotic wildlife in the pet trade are suitable based on established risk criteria. More than 600 exotic wildlife species that pose minimal risk make up the allowed list of species. Domestic dogs, cats and farm animals are not regulated as wildlife. People with species on the restricted list must notify the ministry by November 30th. The list is two divisions. In Division 1 are considered dangerous and must be removed by the end of November. Division 2 are pets and may be kept for the remaining life of the animal, but only if the ministry is notified by November 30th. On the markets, the TSX is up 247 points at 19,978. The Dow has gained 30 points at 34,559. Oil is up $1.47 at 67.79 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 8 one-hundredths of a cent at 82.93 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.